0: Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them however you get your Bible, whether that's in app form or on a smart device. Or if that is in book form, go ahead and open to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to read from verse 7 through verse 10. Well, last week was an unplanned uh, time at home, worshiping with you all online, catching the online campus, joining that time. Um, I'm happy to say Jackson's symptoms have all uh, abated and uh, we think he'll be going, you know, much to his disappointment. He should be going back to school tomorrow. Uh, but uh, thank you for understanding. Uh, thank you, worship team, for stepping in and just taking over and leading. Thank you, Pastor Rick, for leading us in prayer and getting us ready for worship and offering. And, uh, and thank you, Technology, where we could I could let you hear a sermon that I've been wanting you to hear for a long time. And so many of you have said how God blessed you through that sermon, even though it was online. What a phenomenal sermon to see how the love of Christ, if we open our life to the adjacent possible of Jesus, how much transformation can take place. So good, wasn't it? So good. But today, we move on into our next habit. We'll get to it here in a second. But first, let's begin, as we always do, with the Word of God. Hear the Word of the Lord this morning from Galatians chapter 6, beginning at verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what they sow. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. How many people? All people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. All right. Well, our habit for this week, let's just jump right into it. Let's get that right. Uh, and this, this week's habit is wind the clock. These are crazy, aren't they? I mean, we've had flip the script, eat the frog, fly the kite, cut the rope, wind the clock. I I I got to thinking, you know, wouldn't it be fun if some of you younger folk, um, you know, TikTok is this thing, right? These seem like dance moves. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Nazarene. Sacred liturgical movements. (laughs) Now, I know there's an age limit to get into Facebook. TikTok, there's an age limit on the upper side of when you should not be on TikTok. And I am not on TikTok, but I just think it would be interesting. Let's just, you know, let's just throw that out there. Who's gonna, who's gonna do a TikTok on, you know, wind the clock? I don't know how you do that. You know, wind the clock. I don't know. You figure it out. Wind the clock. What is wind the clock all about? This habit really deals with time and looking at two types of time because in the Bible there are two types of time. We just think of time, we just think of our watches. Some of you are already watching to see, can he finish in 22 minutes? The answer is usually no. But there are two types of time. The first type of time is chronos time. And that is chronological time. That's how we get that. It's, it's dealt with in seconds and minutes and days and weeks and years and months. It's the, the quantitative part of time. It's the time, the thing that adds up. It's the looking at your daily planner. All of those things are about chronological or chronos time is the Greek word for it. And this habit deals with that, however, we're not going to get into that side of it. If you want uh, to know more about the chronological part of Wind the Clock, I recommend Win the Day, where this series comes from. There are a few on sale in the lobby, or you can get them online, or at Barnes & Noble, or it's a bookstore, or whatever. You can, you can find that. But today, we're going to look at Kairos time. And this also is in this habit. And Kairos time has more to do with opportunity or seasons. And so we have that chronological time where we make our plans and we do those things and we, we get our day planners all in a row. We look at the quantitative time. Kairos then provides opportunity or seasons that we run into. And that we run after with all that we are. They're really two sides of the same coin. You, you need both. And we see in this habit that we make our plans. That's Kronos. And then we go after these opportunities that are created by those plans. That's Kairos. And we go after it, if we're winding the clock, we go after it with all that we have. Are you ready to hear more about this? I think, I think this is a phenomenal thing for us. And I think it's wrapped up in a great example that we see in the book, but I, I, I uh, learned about in Born to Run, a book that I read while I was trying to gain inspiration to, to run a marathon. And in that, we learn about the Tarahumare people. They are a tribe of uh, Indian folk or native peoples um, In northern Mexico, in the Sierra Madre Mountains. And they were discovered for the first time really in the 1800s. They had just kind of, they were a nomadic tribe and somehow they had just never been discovered in all of this. But the thing about the Tarahumare people is they just love to run. And when they were finally discovered by a guy named Frederick Swatska, he began to write about them because he saw something that he had never seen. He saw them doing what is called persistence hunting. Now I know it's almost—it's almost that time, isn't it? Is it bow hunting season already? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I see some uh, some of our hunters out there. It's almost that—it's that time. But our hunting, we kind of wait for the stuff to come to us. Persistence hunting is when you go. And you track them down. And he was amazed by this. He saw them, and this is what he says. This is Frederick Swatka as he's describing what he saw. In the depth of winter, with snow on the ground, the Tarahumare hunter, with nothing but his rawhide sandals and breech clout, will start in pursuit of a deer and run it down. After a chase of hours in length, the thin crust of snow impeding the animal so that it finally succumbs to the persistent hunter I don't know about you that's not the kind of hunting I ever want to do but the Tarahumari people this is how they survive they learn something they knew something and Mark Batterson lets us see this when he says humans are slower than much of the rest of the animal kingdom but we have one distinct advantage are you ready for this The distinct advantage that we have over the rest of the animal kingdom, sweat glands. Didn't know you were going to talk about perspiration in church today, did you? We have sweat glands. And that means that while we run, we can... Keep our body temperature the same. And animals don't have that. As they run, they heat up. And if they are kept running over a long period of time because there's one of those Tarahumare hunters that just continue to be in the background, they may not catch up right away. But as long as they can keep that animal moving and running, they know at some point it's going to overheat and then they will catch it. And there will be rejoicing in the village. Because there's food on the table. Mark challenges us in this habit of winding the clock. What if we pursued our dreams or God's goals with Tara Humara like persistence? What if we used and put some spiritual sweat equity into what God is calling us to do? Sweat equity. I I learned that term when I was working for Habitat for Humanity. Uh, Habitat for Humanity doesn't just give away homes. You are called and you are brought in and, and you are asked to put some toil into your own home. They call it sweat equity. What if we were to use that spiritual sweat gland that we have to put some sweat equity into what God is calling us to do, Cross Community Church? What if we did that? Let's look at this because you can almost hear our passage from Paul as he says to the Church in Galatia or several probably churches in the region of Galatia when he says let us not become weary in doing what? Good now that's an interesting translation. Let us not become weary in doing good I'm not going to give you the full phrase It's a little bit of a tongue twister, but the truth of the matter is those words that we translate doing good Actually have a couple of ways that they can be understood It really is a, it can be a building term. So let us not become weary in building what is, in the word we translate good, what is beautiful, what is enduring. Let us not become weary in building what is beautiful or enduring. I imagine that if Paul is talking, probably to, to the church, the main church probably would have been in what is now Ankara, Turkey, in the region of Galatia, and there were lots of buildings there. So my hunch is it was a good thing for him to point to and say, "Don't get weary in building what is beautiful, in building what will last." But it also can be used in agricultural terms. Do not grow weary in planting what is edifying. Planting what will sustain life. Don't get weary. Now, are both of those things good? Yeah. And are they things you have to do? Yes. So doing good isn't a bad translation, but I want you to hear that. That building what is beautiful, enduring, planting what is edifying, and what will sustain life is really what he is getting at. Now, it feels like we're jumping in uh, right at the tail end. In fact, this is the end of the whole book of Galatia. It's kind of Paul's final thoughts or his culminating thoughts. And I told you a couple weeks ago that we shouldn't use the letters as spiritual goody grab bags to just pull out verses. And and so I I want us to take a really quick tour through Galatians. Can we do that? I'm going to nerd out for just a little bit. Join me. I think you'll see this. Galatia, the the, the letter to the Galatian church was a real work of frustration for Paul. And why was he frustrated? In fact, he's so frustrated, it's one of the things. He does not open up with a greeting. Like, you know, all the other letters is, I, Paul, greet you in the name of Jesus, you know, and I hear such great things about. He just jumps right in. What in the world are you doing? And he writes with frustration, what was going on? Well, these churches in Galatia that Paul had had gotten together and, and taught among them and lived among them, what had happened was these folks from Jerusalem who really had the understanding that because Jesus was Jewish, If you were going to call yourself a follower of Jesus, you needed to follow the laws of the Torah or the teaching, the first five books of the Bible. And particularly that meant you need to observe the Sabbath, you need to observe the feast days, you need to eat kosher, and the main thing that they were dealing with here is you need to be circumcised. I know, that seems strange for us today. But what it was, it was a badge of honor. It was a badge of courage showing how committed I was to following the ways of Jesus. And Paul says, that is not what we are about. That is not what I taught you, and I am, I am burdened for you. I'm angry at what is going on, and I'm frustrated with what is happening. Let's look through just really quickly. Chapters 1 and 2 deal with the gospel, what I'll I'll summarize as the gospel of Jesus only. Paul just jumps right in and begins to say, I mean, he, he says, Who has bewitched you, you foolish Galatians? Who's bewitched you? That you would turn and be a part of something like this. That you would be led away by this kind of teaching. He summarizes all of this in chapter 2, verse 16. You can turn there if you would like. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. I want you to hear this read to you this morning. We know that a person is not made righteous by the works of the law. But by the faith, but through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Now I know in your Bibles it'll say, a lot of them will say, but by the, by faith in Jesus Christ, or in Christ Jesus. But you, most of your Bibles will have a little asterisk there, and it will point you over into the margins, and it will say something like this. Other ancient authorities say, or other translations say, or other ancient manuscripts say, By the faith of Jesus Christ. Meaning, that we see that Jesus was faithful. I'm going to talk more about that in just a second. Through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ. It's not that there's not a call for us to believe, for us to put our trust in what Jesus has done. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be made righteous by the faithfulness of Jesus. What is Paul getting at? He's saying that in all of this, what you are called to, church in Galatia, and what we are called to, church here and church online, is to believe that we trust that Jesus is enough. Wow, it's awfully quiet. That we, you and I, and the church all the way back to Galatia, believe that Jesus is enough. That what Jesus did in his life was show us the heart of the Father. And He showed us our brokenness. And in His death, He took our sin and brokenness upon Him and put it in the grave. And in His resurrection, He came out to new life that we heard Pastor Scott talk about last week. That new life that begins now. That resurrected life that we have now that can transform us now. And He gives that to you and me. And then that life in the Spirit is manifested or works itself out in acts of love from you out into the world. But it's because Jesus was faithful. It's because of the faithfulness of Jesus. Are you getting your heads around that? It's, it's, a, bit of a, it's a bit of a twist. We're so used to, since the the Protestant Reformation, it's my faith in Jesus that saves me. No, it is Jesus' faithfulness to live, to die, and to be resurrected that saves you. There's a place for you to believe, yes, but as my systematic theology used to say, salvation is accepting what Jesus has already done. Because otherwise, we're really tricky, you and I. And we get into this thing to thinking it's my choice that makes me Christian. No, it's Jesus' death and resurrection that saves you. You have only to passively act and saying, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Transform me. We've got to move on. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll, we'll come back. We've got to do a series in Galatians. It's one of my favorite books. Paul goes on and he, he begins to give them a little bit of a history lesson. He's like, okay, you're so, you're so caught up in the in the Torah, and the teaching, in the law. Well, what about Abraham? What about Abraham? Well, Abraham, the Bible tells us, was made righteous, and that was hundreds of years before there even was a Torah. How did that happen? Because he trusted that when God said go, he went. And when God said, you'd be the father of nations, he believed and he trusted. And there he was. Now he gets caught up in saying, so are you saying that the law is bad and we should just do away with it? He says, no, it served two great purposes. One, it magnified our sin. It showed us where we're broken and invited us into some practices to restore right relationship with God in our brokenness. It was also positive, and it was a teacher for us. It was it was a pedagogies. It was the, the one who leads us to the teacher. But now the teacher has come. And Paul is saying in his history lesson, if we let us go back and, and you who are not Jew become Jewish, then what you're saying is there's really only one of the families of God that's important, and that's the Jewish family. But God has always been about a multi-ethnic family of God. All the nations will be blessed through you. We've got to move on. We jump right in. Because then the question becomes, okay, so how do non-Jewish people understand the will of God? How do you, young American or old American, how do you... Become a follower of Jesus if you don't follow the teachings, the the old teachings, the, the, the Torah, the law. And Paul says, aha, now we're here. You do that through the Holy Spirit being in you. You are led by the Spirit. You are led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will guide those who have never been a part of the Jewish way of life. The Holy Spirit will teach them and guide them as they are filled. Do you believe that this morning? We believe this. And so Paul then, if you want to turn, turn with me. We're going to go in through this just really quick. Just a few more minutes of nerdness. And then we get into practical application of this. Galatians chapter 5, begin at verse 19. Paul begins to compare and contrast. And he compares life in the flesh and life in the spirit. Now, I, I have to pause here for just one one second. Because this idea of flesh and spirit... <laughs> was kind of taken in a Greek philosophy kind of way, where flesh becomes bad, this stuff that you have on the exterior of your body is bad, and the spiritual is good. Paul was using flesh and spirit and contrasting that because they, the Galatian people, and these teachers who were trying to lead them astray were saying that there was something they could do in their flesh, namely circumcision, that would make them more righteous or better connected to God. And so Paul uses the metaphor of flesh, but then the better led by the Spirit. Now Paul would in no way say that you can't be led by the Spirit in your flesh. But he's comparing and contrasting. A spirit of flesh, or this this fleshiness, if you do it to please that, to puff yourself up, it leads to certain things. And if you live your life Being led by the Spirit, it leads to eternal life. Let's look at what he says. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. When you're trying to earn your own way, when you're trying to earn salvation, when you're trying to earn right-relatedness with God, this is where it leads. Are you ready? The acts of the flesh, this is verse 19 in chapter 5. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. In other words, we begin to use other people. For our own benefit. Then he goes on. Idolatry and witchcraft. Which is a fancy way of saying. We begin to try and manipulate God. For our own benefit. That's what idolatry and witchcraft are. It's doing something in front of this Statue that's been created that will manipulate it into making my crops grow or give me children or or do these things or saying the right incantation using the right words to get the God to to do what I want him to do. We use people and we use God and when we use people and God guess what happens people don't like being used. And so, we go on in our list. There's hatred and discourse and jealousy and fits of rage and selfish ambition and dissension and factions. We have to get people on our side so that we can be against the people who don't like what we do. And that leads to envy. And then, when all of that turmoil begins to happen, we need to medicate and we need to check out. And so, it's no surprising that the End of the list ends with drunkenness and orgies. Just checking out. It's also interesting that this is kind of a a downward spiral or cycle because the end of the list could go right back to the beginning of the list. As we begin to use people again to just check out. Paul wants to contrast that with the Spirit-guided life. So let's look at this. He says, But, The fruit of the Spirit is, what does it say in your Bible? Right there. Love. I want to stop right there for a second. Love is the first fruit. Now, for you and I, we love to talk about love, but we think of love in terms of romance and feelings. And wasn't it just sweetest day yesterday? Now, I I heard about this. It's, It's interesting. Sweetest Day is not about the feelings you have towards the person that you're sweet on. It was actually something that a few candy makers partnered with the Red Cross to give candy bags out to those who were sick in the hospital. That's actually more about the love we're talking about. Because love for Scripture, I love what Dr. Timothy Mackey says about what love in the Bible is all about. For the biblical writers, love is not primarily an emotive word, but a word of commitment and action. Namely, a commitment to act for the well-being of others. I think that this... Idea of love being a commitment to act for the well-being of others is beautifully shown in the life of Paralympic gold medalist Jessica Long. She's a swimmer. Did any of you watch the Paralympics after the Olympics? She is phenomenal. And I don't know if you saw this commercial, but I believe this captivates what biblical writers talk about when they talk about love being a commitment to the well-being of others. I want you to see this today, so let's watch this together. Are you ready? Mrs. Long? Yes? We've found a baby girl for your adoption, but there are some things you need to know. She's in Siberia, and she was born with a rare condition. Her legs will need to be amputated. I know this is difficult to hear. Her life, it won't be easy. This is long. It might not be easy, but it'll be amazing. I can't wait to meet her believe there is hope that's love it's okay you can dry your eyes it might not be easy but it will be amazing maybe that's why the rest of Paul's list flows from there that when the life of the Spirit leads you to look to the well-being of others to commit to it then out of that commitment comes great joy. How many of you have ever done even a small act and you have felt the joy of committing to the well-being of someone else? You've seen that. Maybe it's a part of your work with kids or with people who are sick, but you, you see the joy that comes out of that there's that word peace that flows out of that, and that would be that Hebrew word shalom, that wholeness. When we commit to the well-being of others, it not only brings them joy and us joy, but it also is something that we need to, to see wholeness. We're seeking that wholeness to be in their life, and it brings wholeness to our life. Do you think it's going to take a lot of patience to seek the well-being of other people? If you've ever done that, you know that's true. It's going to take tons of time. Con- Kindness to commit to the well-being of others. Oh, that the church would once again be known for its kindness. It will take goodness, seeking their good, and acting in good ways towards them as we commit to their well-being. It's going to take a lot of faithfulness. It's going to take tons of gentleness. And it will take all the self-control that the Spirit can give to you. This is the life that we are called to. The rest of those things flow out of this love. And it brings us right back to our verse. If you want to turn right back to Galatians chapter 6. Here we are. Nerd part is done. It brings us back. If this is the life that we are called to. If this is what is possible when we place our trust in what Jesus has done. Then we need to understand That God is not mocked. Whatever you plant in the ground, you will reap. You can't plant tomato seeds and expect bananas. It's just not the way that things work. And so maybe what we need to ask ourselves today is what's in your garden? What are you seeing grow out of what you are planting? Are you planting in that desire to please the flesh Or the desire to be led by the Spirit that's available when you trust in Jesus. It's pretty obvious. Take a good hard look in the mirror and you will know what you have planted. And if you don't like what you've planted, then I'm going to invite you to place your trust in the one who can make the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control happen in your life. How do we do that? Paul goes on and says, Let us not grow weary in doing what is good, in building what is beautiful and that will last, and in planting what is edifying and is good for sustaining life. What do we do? What if, church, here today, not just way back in Galatia, but here today, what if we pursued God's goals of the Spirit-filled life like the Tarahumari people hunted? What if we put in some sweat equity in building, in planting good for the well-being of others? What would that look like here? Because this is our call. What would it look like? You already see the acronym, so you know we're going here, right? Sweat. (laughs) Let's put some sweat into this. What does it mean? It means that we have to start with the Savior. This is not something that you can just, where you're sitting right now or where you're sitting online, say, okay, I'm just going to commit to being more loving tomorrow. You know, I'm going to throw some change out the window to that guy who stands at the freeway exit. That's not what this is about. We have to start with trusting that what Jesus did was enough. And if I can, if I just simply open my life and trust that what Jesus did was enough, then He will send His Spirit in to me and into you. And these things will begin to grow in my life. These things will begin to, to see them. Now, it means we are, go- we'll probably have to let Him do some pruning. Pull up some things. But your call is to start with a Savior. And if you have never opened your life to Jesus, if you have never trusted, and trust me, I know that there are people who have gone to church for a long time and they think it's what they do or don't do that makes them a Christian. And I'm inviting you, if God is putting His finger on your heart, that that's you, that you're trusting in what you do or don't do to make you a Christian or to to make you ready for heaven. I'm going to invite you today to start with a Savior. Your call is simply to trust that what Jesus did was enough and let the Spirit lead you and give you wisdom. We start with a Savior. When that begins to happen, when we encounter a Savior, then worship becomes a lifestyle, not just something we do for 15 minutes before we hear a long sermon. It becomes a lifestyle. I love the poem that we were introduced to in Pastor Mark's book by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. She sums it up this way. Earth is crammed with heaven, and every common bush a fire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around it and pluck blackberries. When our eyes are opened that... What Jesus did was enough, and His life can be your life in and through you. You begin to see the opportunities. You begin to wind the clock. You begin to seize the kairos, the moment, the opportunities that He lays before you to commit to the well-being of someone else. So we start with a Savior. Worship is a lifestyle, and then we engage in prayer. And I use that word intentionally. Sometimes we just say, okay, I'm going to pray now. There's nothing wrong with that. But when was the last time that you knew that something was happening in the life of your colleague, your work partner, your family, your spouse, your child, and you engaged in prayer on their behalf, seeking the well-being for them? And you brought that to God because you cared about them and you're committed to To seeking the well-being for them. It's about engaging in prayer. It doesn't have to be super emotional or crying or tears or those kinds of things. But when was the last time you intentionally engaged in prayer on behalf of someone else? And you carried their burden and you shared their burden. We've got to move on. The next is we have to attempt and ask If you don't know what's going on in the life of your colleagues or your your fellow classmates or those kinds of things, when was the last time you asked, what do you need? What's going on in your life? Is there anything I can pray for you about? When was the last time you asked somebody to come to church? Did you know I read a a statistic today that 71% of non-believing people said they are more than likely to say yes if someone would ask them to come to church? Nobody comes to church without an ask, or very few come to Jesus without an ask. I suppose the Apostle Paul, being driven to the ground by the risen Christ, is the exception to the rule. Would you ask, my dad, who served as a pastor, only came to Christ because his brother-in-law, who he worked with, asked him at some point every week, Hey, it's going to be a great church service this week. Would you like to come? And finally, he would admit, I went to make him stop asking me. And when he went, he encountered Jesus and he placed his trust in what Jesus had done, even for someone like Doug McVeigh. Have you asked? If you're online, you can even, this isn't even easier. You can just create a Facebook room, and you guys could watch together. You could start an online service together. Invite some of your friends and be a part of that. We want to help you do that. And lastly, we start with a Savior. Worship becomes lifestyle. We engage in prayer. We attempt and ask. And then you trust God for the results. Have we not gotten it from going all the way through Galatians? This is not what we do. It's what God does through us. So, put the sweat in and trust God for the rest. Put in the sweat and trust God to do the rest. This is where we are called, my friends. This is what we have been doing. Our ten four goals were all about. Putting the well-being of someone else. Even paying off a mortgage was about having more money go out into ministry for the sake of someone else. than we're putting into a building. Folks, God has blessed us. We have seen some real fruit of the Spirit when it comes to our 10 goals. And now that we are through a pandemic, it is time for us to begin engaging in some of those ongoing goals that we have had. Those goals that show that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control out into the world. Where we look to the well-being of others in our world. We are called to this. It's time to begin getting back into our service groups to go out and bless our neighborhoods. It's time to remember when we're shopping to buy extra for the, food, for the food bank. It's time for us to begin to look and invite those around us. Are you ready to put a little sweat in? I hope so. It's what we're called to. Let us not grow weary, my friends. In building what will last, in planting what will feed. Would you stand with me for prayer? Oh God, today, we are challenged and convicted, but there is hope. That we can place our trust in you. And so today, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, have you trusted, my friend, that what Jesus did was enough? you want to open your life to what Jesus has done, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer right where you are, whether you're here or online. Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness. I open my life, all the brokenness, all the sin, to your transforming life. Bring your life to me that I might see the fruit of the Spirit grow in my life. Teach me to commit to seeking the well-being of others. And may I see that happen. Father, today as a church, at the end of... End of a pandemic, or maybe the roller coaster of another one. We pray that you would give us strength in your spirit, that we would not grow weary of building what is good, planting what will feed. Teach us how to do that. Set our feet in motion. Let us put in a little sweat and trust you to do that. Send us out of here ready to look for opportunities to engage in prayer and to ask folks to join us. For we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm glad you're here today. Would you receive this final blessing? And now, may you, my brothers and my sisters, trust that Jesus has done everything you need. I pray that you will open your life to him, see that fruit begin to grow, and that you will dare to put in a little sweat to see what God can do as we together commit to the well-being of others. I pray that this would happen in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Go in His name. Go and sweat it out. (laughs) Have a great week. Thank you for joining us online. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a Connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website.